We are The Table, and we are so glad you are taking time from your busy schedule to listen to this message. It is our hope that during the course of this message, you are inspired to move forward in life and faith. We welcome you, and thank you again for joining us. And we had like a communication line, like we had all this stuff, and then I'm like, hey, it's something different the Lord is pouring into me. So I'm just going to pour that out. Is that all right? Is that all right? Okay. Let's just, just, just get right into the text. Today, I'm going to be in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel, the 36th chapter, starting at verse number four. Ezekiel 36, verse four. Everybody got that? Just say amen. Give me a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Now, why y'all ain't putting y'all thumbs up? And it's right. <laughs> Amen. Therefore, mountains of Israel, hear the word of the sovereign Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to the mountains and the hills, to the ravines and the valleys to the desolate ruins and to the deserted towns that have been plundered and ridiculed by the rest of the nations around you. This is what the sovereign Lord says, in my burning zeal, I've spoken against the rest of the nations and against all of Edom. For with glee and with malice in their hearts, they made my land their own possessions so that they might plunder its pasture land. Therefore, prophesy concerning the land of Israel and say to the mountains and hills, to the ravines and valleys, this is what the sovereign Lord said. I speak in my zealous wrath because you have suffered the scorn of the nations. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I swear with uplifted hand that the nations around you will also suffer scorn. But you, mountains of Israel, will produce branches and fruit for my people Israel, for they will soon come home. I am concerned for you and will look on with you. I'm concerned for you and will look on you with favor. You will be plowed and sown, and I will cause many people to live on you. Yes, all of Israel. The towns will be inhabited and the ruins rebuilt. I will increase the number of people and animals living on you, and they will be fruitful and become numerous. I will settle people on you as in the past and will make you prosper more than before. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I will cause people, my people, Israel, to live on you. They will possess you and you will be their inheritance. And you will never again deprive them of their children. This is the reading of the word of God. This is from Ezekiel chapter 36. 
This is a man of God speaking, a prophet, who God is instructing to share specifically a message to the land. A lot of times when we think of prophecy, we see prophecy go forth, and it goes forth to people. And it goes forth to people all about their specific need. But in this text, the prophet of God is talking to the land. The land that was promised, the promised land, because it had never been occupied, it was yet to be occupied by Israel. It was prepared. It was a land that was prepared to be inhabited. It was a land that was supposed to be used for something, but it essentially became the laughingstock because nothing was happening there. And God took this, takes this very personal because when God says something and he says that something is good, who are we or who are they to then say that it is worthless? And unusable. In this text, God is talking to the prophet to tell the land that this is not a place of ruin or desert. It, it, it's not prosperous now, but that is not what he promised. God explains to Ezekiel that the land is intended for Israel, not of Edom, not of any other nation. So if anyone else possessed the land or was in control of the land, it was not being used for what God designed. Ezekiel continues to prophesy to the land, to the mountains, the hills, the ravines, the valleys. He says, You've, you, you, you. people have looked at that place over there like... Man, there's nothing good there. We've tried to plant and grow stuff and nothing happens. No sunshine is ever over there. We can't start a business over there. We can't do anything for our family over there. I mean, it's just bleh. Ezekiel continues detailing to the land. God is giving him a specific assignment to talk about to the land and say, look, there's going to be abundance here. There's going to be fruit. There's going to be people. There's going to be growth. There's going to be animals. There's going to be wildlife. There is going to be rebuild where there was ruin. Where there was nothing, there will be prosperity. He says this will happen because I am the Lord and I said so. He says that Israel will live upon you. It will possess you. They will get their inheritance as I chose for them. See, the thing that's interesting about this text is that God intends for his creation, it will happen, the, what he said will happen in his timing, the way he said it will, and it will be made right so that his word is true. See, God values all of his creation, all of it, but it is bad. It's bad when we think we, people, humans, 
think God only does stuff all for us. Mm. We're going to wrestle with some things today. I, I, could, I, could, I, could, I already felt this stirring when, he was, when I was working on this, but I, I could feel it in, in the room. I've been spending a lot of time recently looking at the prophets and looking at the prophecies, and I've been telling you guys a lot that I want to be clear on what God's intentions are. And he continues to kind of put it in my spirit over and over and over. Always check my intentions. Understand my intentions. How do I understand your intentions, Lord? Because my intentions are clear from the beginning. My intentions are clear from the beginning. My intentions are clear from the beginning. So every time I see something that, that like disturbs me, I'm like, Lord, what am I missing? And this began to really make me look at Scripture and look at his word in a way that I'm like, one thing that I noticed is that God is consistent. He is so consistent, and it is clear his intentions are consistent from the beginning until now. But we got to understand his intentions to see his consistency. And so when I started to look at current situations and I started to see all everybody caught up, maybe caught up ain't the right word, entertained by the prophecy that goes forth in our churches. When there are people speaking on behalf of every single, pro, every single prophecy that goes forth, Got to do with something material. Got to do with something, somebody somehow getting their way. There's something tragically wrong with having so many prophets in the world, but we keep getting blindsided by the things that are happening in the earth. Something is tragically wrong with that. Because as men and women of God, and I'm not just talking about preachers or teachers or apostles or bishops or superintendent, whatever, whoever declares that they are a follower of Jesus, something is tragically wrong when we are always blindsided by the nonsense that is pushing up against us in the world. And so it began, I began to question when I hear certain prophecies, when I hear these prophetic words, when I hear things spoken over people, I got to the point in some cases, do me a favor, don't do me no favors, don't speak over my life. Man, look, I'm going to tell you what you don't want to hear. You don't let everybody watch your kids, do you? You let everybody count your bank account? You let everybody in your business? You better be real careful about letting everybody lay hands on you and start talking about what your future is going to be like. Another day. Another sermon. Another day. But I began to question the things that I see. And I, and I say, does this look like God? Does this sound like God? Is this consistent with what God's intentions are? And I had this moment that one of the questions that I never was asking spiritually is, does it feel like God? Can I share something with you? Everything of God does not feel like God. Hmm. What do you mean? What do you mean? I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you because you're here. I'm here. We're here. We might as well talk about it. 
everything of God does not feel like we've made up in our minds like we want God to feel. Because when it comes to matters of God, we want everything to feel comfy, cozy. We want everything to be peaches and cream. We want everything to be ice cream and cook cupcakes. We want everything to fit our perfect little world and everything. In it. But something has got to give. Everything that is of God does not feel like we've decided God should feel. It's bad when things are happening around us. We benefit from it. And then we think God is blessing us in spite of ourselves. We don't appreciate it. So we keep undervaluing God and over-excusing ourselves. We keep undervaluing God and over-excusing ourselves because we keep seeing the favor of God. See, when we tell you, well, if you just do good, if you just treat people right, everything is going to be. But can I tell you something? That the more you follow God, opposition is going to try to mimic God. Have you all jacked up in what you think is God, trying to confuse you of what God is and who God is and what God is doing? And you, you may even have more challenge after you've decided to follow Christ than you did before you follow Christ. Now, I'm not trying to be disheartening to you. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. Because this is what people don't tell you. And they tell you, well, if you just, just, just go ahead and put 500 in the offering plate. If you just go ahead and give a little bit more, then life gets... Uh, if you believe in God and you believe in Jesus Christ, you ought to believe what they both told you about the devil. Oh, man. See, we only want to talk about the other side of things. If you believe in God and you believe in Jesus, then you ought to believe what they told us in the word of God about the devil, about the enemy, about him in pursuit of you. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to confuse you. He wants to test you. If he was bold enough to test Jesus, you think he ain't going to test Willie? Somebody, who is Willie? I don't know. <laughs> you get what I'm saying. So you got to understand that there are some things that happen in the world, and it's bad, it's really bad when, when we don't know his word enough to really know and see what is happening. But when we, when we don't know God's word and we don't know what's happening, then we don't understand his intent and we don't understand or see his consistency. And the world will trick you and think, and have you thinking God is on this ride. No, he ain't. God has been the same. And I'm going to help you understand today why this is. I need to explain this to you. If God is always working for good, do we agree with that? God is always working for good. You agree? And if you don't, that's okay because we're going to work this out. If God is always working for good, then doesn't that mean that he is working on behalf of what he values as good? In other words, what is good to God is worth his time, his attention, his blessing, his favor, and more. 
This is, if, if it's good to him, then he's going to give it that attention. He's going to give it the necessary blessing. He's going to fix the things that are broken. So the question that I want us to tackle today, what if the blessings that we receive are God keeping his promise to somebody else? I'm going to say that again. Make this personal. What if the blessings that you receive, you are receiving because he is keeping his promise to somebody else. Because if he's keeping his promise to somebody else and you are reaping the benefits and you ain't got right with God, then you better take a second to realize that you just happen to be the byproduct. So don't mess around and ride a train being lukewarm or non-committal. Because one day he's going to be done blessing that other person and that other thing. And then you're going to act like God then gave up on you. Wasn't about you ever. Oh, man. Ezekiel is prophesying, I told you, to the land. This is the promised land. But there are two sides to every promise. If the land was promised to the people, Guess what else? The people were promised to the land. I'm a, if the land was promised to the people, that means the people were promised to the land. Ask me why I say that. Why do I say that? Because in Genesis 1 and 31, uh, chapter 1, verse 31, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. There was evening, there was morning, and I was on the sixth day. On the sixth day, God sat back, saw everything that he made, and he said all of it was good. You and I agree that something that God sees as good, he's going to work on behalf of that good no matter what. And so he creates things with a purpose. So if we're going to sit here and play church, we're going to talk about what our purpose is and our purpose only. And we're going to prophesy about our purpose and our purpose only, or what we're going to get out of the deal. And that's all it's about. But shall I contest that in the Holy Scriptures, God has Ezekiel prophesying to a land that had a promise on it to be used by a certain people for a certain thing. I done went over some of y'all here. I done went over some of y'all head. The earth, the one that God admired and called it good, was created to be a place where rain would deposit its moisture from the clouds, where seed could grow, where livestock could graze, could, could graze where man could work, and none of this was happening, although that's what God created it for. Can you imagine what it would be like if you lived in a world that got to a place that nothing that God created was being used for the purpose that he created it. Hello. Could you imagine what it would be like living in a world that everything God created is not actually being used for what he created it for? Something has to give. That's a bad space to be in. See, the land was reserved for Israel. So anyone who was occupying it, trying to do anything other than what the Lord reserved, it was being wasted. 
you find some stolen money, it can't be your blessing. Look, some of y'all like, wait, what? I done deposited that money already. No, no, but, but let's talk. Because you find some stolen money. And, and look, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I don't ever preach to, I don't tell you nothing that I don't take heed to myself. I was going through a hard time one time in college, didn't have the money to my tuition. I used to be a bouncer at a nightclub. Go figure. <laughs> one night I closed. It's three o'clock in the morning. I'm walking, stumble, trip, look down. About $800 is on the ground. Stacked up, got uh, paper clips on it. Hello, 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 hello. And I'm looking. And our campus police office was right, right, like, right around the corner. I said, you know what I'm going to do? Campus police right over there. I'm going to go this way. And I took, I took that 800. Look, I ain't going to lie. I ain't going to stand up here and lie to you. That $800 belonged to me on that day. And you know what I tricked myself into believing? Oh, the Lord is blessing me. But here's the reality. That money belonged to somebody else. And the way that it was counting, because I just closed another club, I know that that was somebody, they didn't drop their deposit bag. I know what happened. But that day, oh, did I justify. The Lord is my shepherd and he know what I want. You got to ask yourself, is that consistent with God? Wait a second. Is that consistent for me to have an opportunity to make a righteous decision? And I forfeit the righteous decision to gain? Is that consistent with God? Let me help you. No. No, it is not. Whenever you take something and it does not belong to you, when it's being used in a way that he does not intend, God has a way. He has to sort these things out. God is specific in telling Ezekiel to prophesy to the mountains, the hills, the ravines, and the valleys. He's consistent. He don't before he prophesies anything else, he goes to the stuff, the land, the natural things, the things that God created. To say everybody who came against you, who said this dirt was no good, I will prove that it is. God talk, had Ezekiel talk to the ravines. He talked to the valleys. Everybody who said this was useless, this was worthless, nothing could come good of it. God said when they doubt that, they doubt my name. And I am God and it will be you. For what I say. You know, when I was coming here about a year and a half ago, and I would tell people that I lived in northwest Indiana and I was coming this way and I was moving to Joliet, you will not believe, or maybe you will because it was some of y'all who said it. <laughs> you moving back to Illinois? Now, what would you do that for? 
And then when I would say, I'm going to Joliet, Illinois, why y'all laugh? Y'all must know how this is going to turn out. <laughs> People said, what's there? Why would you do that? Why would you go there? There is nothing there. And my response to them then was, look, I'm going to go where God sent me, and how can nothing good from, come from God's assignment? If God says, yeah, 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 if God says that something is supposed to happen, then how is it that we can then declare that something will not happen or something good cannot come from it? That don't make no sense. God values his creation. God is always working for the good thing. There may be a drought, but I got news for you. Oh, better days are coming. Because if God spoke it, then it has to be. It has to be. And this is what we see in this prophecy of Ezekiel. He continues, he keeps detailing, look, you're going to have an abundance of fruit. You're going to have all these people. They're going to have big families. You're going to have all these animals. You're going to do all this stuff. It's going to be, man, it's going to be rebuilt. It's going to be beautiful. And if he told that to people, people would have said, how? He told that to the land. He told that to the hills. He told that to the valleys. Because I am the Lord. And I said it. And it would be so. So here's where you and I fall into play. Because we celebrate God's willingness to bring back the lost. We celebrate God's willingness when something is dead to bring it to life. Amen? We say, oh, look at that. Look at that. And we say, oh, man, God can do it. He will do it. He said he was doing it. But I need you to understand something very important about this prophecy. The promised land was being restored because of God's mercy on the land. And the favor he was given to the land. It was being restored. Nothing to do with Israel finally figuring it out. Nothing to do with them actually making different decisions. He actually was doing it because he owed something. He saw the land as good and it would be good as long as he had a say in it. And if he would restore the land, what might he do to you? See, it's bad when we don't have the gratitude that we should because we, see, we keep getting blessed even though we're doing wrong things. We get blessed when we're still doing bad. How many of you been there? You lying if you don't put your hand up. I'm going to call a spade a spade. You lying if you don't put your hand up. All of us have received blessings that we should not have received. We were talking about, Lord, we're working on it. We're going to get there. We're going to do better. And here comes a blessing. And we like, thank you. <laughs> and most of us, most times, won't stop, say thank you, and say, okay, well, you beat me to it, then I'm definitely committed. We do the opposite. We say, well, thank you. I didn't even have to. And you slide right back into what you was doing. See, there's something about getting blessed when things are bad. 
because then we start concluding, coming to bad conclusions about what God is doing and what he wants to do. That makes us make bad assumptions, and then that means we subsequently continue to make bad decisions because we are taking his mercy for granted. Therefore, the word of God says, therefore, God is talking to Ezekiel. He says, therefore, say to the Israelites, now we're talking to the people. He's been talking to the land. Now we're talking to the people. He says, say this, Ezekiel, therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel. Uh, it is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things. But for the sake of what? My holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. It says, I will show the holiness of what? My great name, which has been profaned among the nations. The name you, people of Israel, have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy, what? Through you before their eyes. In other words, what's happening here is he's telling, now he didn't spoke life back into the land because he thinks, the, he knows that the land is good and his word cannot return to him void. He don't say a thing and it can't happen. So he brings it all the way back and he's blessing and delivering on his promise to the land and he's making sure you, the people, know that I'm blessing the land and it got nothing to do with your obedience because clearly you have not been obedient. So you mean to tell me that I've been pretending that God is pleased with me because sometimes I see sunshine on my bad days. You mean to tell me that my blessings may actually not be justified blessings that I don't actually deserve the way that the Lord been keeping me? Is that what you're telling me? Are you, are, you, are you telling me that God can do stuff for the things and the people that are doing good and delivering on his promises and I can just be a side dish that the steak juice is running on? I'm kind of hungry, so I just threw that in there. <laughs> Do you get what I'm telling you? He's speaking to the land, and he's emphasizing this, that maybe the word, the words that God is using to speak into existence is constantly reminding us what he made good, and it will be good for him, his glory, and his name. Here we are reaping the benefits, but I got to tell you, I don't think it's far-fetched as a church, that we humble ourselves in his presence and face the fact that our regularly occurring abundant blessings may actually have nothing to do with whether we deserve it or not. So before we run out of gas, 
before you run out of gas in your personal life, you ought to get right. I mean all the way right. I mean really right. I mean fully committed. I mean all the way in. I'm talking sold out. I'm talking put it up, put all the chips in the middle. I'm talking you got to, before the juice runs out on the blessings that he is delivering and the promises that he is keeping to other things that are good, to the ways that he has said and the promises that he's made, before you run out of the blessings that he's answering grandma's prayer. Before you run out of the dying wish that was your mother to protect you and to keep you in her absence, before that runs out, make no mistake, you don't sit here piggybacking on others' obedience. You don't sit here going through the motions of what is good. See, we should have shouted to the heavens. When we, when we sing in certain songs, it, it, it blows my mind sometimes because I can't control myself sometimes because, like, I've been at points in my life in the past now, and I know they're going to come in the future, where I recognize God is so good that he holds his promises to somebody or something else, and I reap the benefits of it. It's like the portions of his blessings make even more sense. Because if he blesses me, but then I'm also going to get the outpouring of blessings because of it starts to make sense of where this abundance comes from. So at some point, I just, get, I, just, I, I just get excited because I'm like, look at God. But you can't be foolish enough that you only hold on to what has come and been blessed for others. I don't know about you, but I am so glad that my freedom is not based on what I've done alone. See, God values all of his creations, all of it. And it's bad when we think that it's just about us. It's bad when we are confused. Who look at me, look at God, he blessed it, and we ain't did nothing obedient in our 36 years of living, or 36 times two, or, you know, anywhere in between. We just gonna keep on consuming and giving nothing. I want to leave you with this word. Ezekiel 36 and 23. I will show the holiness of my great name. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord. When I am proved holy through you before their eyes. Sometimes God will use you to show others that he is still in control. God will bless you to show others his great name. God will bless a situation on your job and you benefit from it and you clock in late every day. Don't be foolish enough to think that you can cut corners and that's just gonna, how it's going to be. No, 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 because that blessing might have been there for someone else. Because that person has a conscience 
and feels like they'll never get a chance or an opportunity because of the mistakes that they made. And he will use you and all of your mistakes to show them that their prayers are not in vain. Don't you go another day assuming that just because you see the blessing, you see the fruit, that you see the growth, and you know in your heart of hearts you ain't doing nothing to deserve it. That is the space that you drop to your knees and you say, glory to God, because I don't deserve none of. And then you recognize if I had a got what I was old, I might not even be living today to tell somebody about it. But that's the space that we gotta understand. It's bad when we take for granted the blessings and the favor of God. Oh, but do we dance and rejoice? And do the angels in heaven rejoice when you finally clicks and you say, you know what? I was a wretch and he saved a wretch like me. When you finally figure it out, it is nothing like it to be entered into his dwelling, for him to see you, acknowledge you, to embrace you, and take that load off for you. The Lord is good, and he always has been. He is consistent, even when we are not. But you see his mercy. May you embrace what he has done, even when we don't deserve it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now acknowledging where we have come short. Acknowledging our broken promises to you. Acknowledging our false starts. Acknowledging even our blatant disregards for your word. But today we ask that you search our hearts. Lord, as I stand before your people, I ask that if anybody is in their heart right now repenting for rejecting you, I pray, God, that your word is true, that you hear their repentance and forgive them for their sins. You wipe their slate clean and begin to set them on a new journey that you ignite the spirit of God that's inside of them, that as they go forth in the name of Jesus, they will do so with great power and great authority and great protection and great favor. We have humble hearts right now, God, because you are God and you are God all by yourself and you didn't have to do it, but you are a promise keeper and a way maker. And for that, we say thank you. As we prepare to leave, we are never out of your sight. May you be glorified in our lives. And may the light of your son, Jesus Christ, illuminate through our entire existence. 
to God be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's message. We pray it moves you forward in your relationship with Jesus. If you are looking for a church home or in the area and want to visit, we are located at 1451 Black Road in Joliet, Illinois. You can also find and follow us by searching The Table Joliet online. We'd love to meet you and walk your faith journey with you. Thank you again, and we look forward to seeing you soon.